Welcome to the Insights Podcast by the UNSW Law Society. We're joined today by two vice presidents from our society, Jeremy from our Public Interest Careers Portfolio and Tharani from our Social Justice Portfolio. I'd like to begin by acknowledging and paying my respects to the Gadigal people, the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is recorded. Thanks, Jeremy and Tharani for joining us today. So, Jeremy, Tharani, what exactly are LawSoft portfolios and what does your portfolio do? So a LawSoft portfolio is a group that is run by a vice president and it goes through the different kind of parts of the law. So you have a private law portfolio, you have a public interest portfolio, and then you have also portfolios that help run the society, whether that be admin or activities. So the social justice portfolio runs in a twofold manner. We have diversity and inclusion programs, which have the ethnocultural officer, queer officer, women's officer, and many more. And they kind of look at how we can improve equality within the law society. We then have external advocacy opportunities, whether that be court of conscience or policy submissions, which look at the external opportunities that they have to promote advocacy and, and equality. Yeah, no, and I think, Dharani, that was a great sort of breakdown of it. In terms of the careers portfolio that we have at UNSW, that's split into the private law and public interest careers portfolios. So I guess public interest, as for my portfolio in general, just covers areas of law and careers that are based around serving the community serving you know the greater the greater wider public rather than you know for example if i'm going to make a contrast to plc private law careers that would be something like serving you know a corporation or like a company right and then something like public interest would be serving the community in for example a charity or a non-profit as opposed to like a private law firm i mean i think the the biggest example i can give for public interest careers and probably the most obvious one is working in government oh yeah thank you that was very interesting um so what are some of your interests or hobbies outside of law? I'll start with Jeremy this time. Jeez, um, I guess outside of law, I think the biggest one for me would be sports. It sucks though, because I'm actually not very athletic as you can probably tell, you can probably tell from the camera, I'm not the most athletic person out there. But I think sports for me is sort of like an outlet. I mean, we talk about it a lot in, for example, ILJ, how like you always need like an outlet away from uni work or away from like your your career or whatnot. I think for me, sports has always been that since like high school and stuff. Um, I play competitively, like for example, things like basketball, I've done cross country, swimming, football, rugby, just from the top of my head, some of those things. And like even now, as I'm, you know, getting fatter, getting less athletic, watching them on TV is quite fun, good outlet. And um, yeah, good for your mental health. Do you have like a really big sporting achievement? I guess from the top of my head, cause I play, uh, cause I went to Sydney Boys High and that's a GPS oh, school. Oh, did oh, you? Nice. <laughs> what? Oh, this is awesome. Wait, back when I was in year nine, so what year was that? 2016, were, were you year seven? I was year seven. Yeah, yeah, we won the um, GPS cross country championship. Oh no, what? I, yeah. I, I, was, I didn't do What'd you do? What'd you do at high? Basketball? Basketball yeah, and yeah. football. All right. Let's get back on track. Um, how about you, Tharani? Uh, I'm also quite a boring person. Um, exact opposite, don't like sport, Couldn't, can't stand it. Um, I quite like baking. I baked a very dense banana bread the other day, um, but it tasted okay, so I'll, I'll go with that. Uh, I also quite like to read. I think it's a nice escape from 
law. Reading. Yeah, from reading. From <laughs> it has to be like fiction, and I can't oh, read yeah. non-fiction, but it has to be like fiction so that I can escape. Um, yeah, that's what I think I like to do. I, actually, in saying sport, I don't mind a bit of yoga. I think that's a bit. All that's right, fun. That's also yeah. a nice escape. But yeah. Um, and why did you guys choose to get involved with um, social justice and public interest-based law? So, in terms of the um, portfolio, I started as the ethnocultural officer last year, and that was something that really spoke to me as a role, being a person of color and also working to make sure that we have more diversity and inclusion for people of color and law and representation was something that was like really important to me. So I really identified with that role and was very lucky to get it. Um, and that was, it was such a rewarding experience for me being part of the social justice portfolio and being the ethnocultural officer and planning things like the diversity and law panel that when I was given the opportunity to run for social justice president, I was vice president, I was like, oh, this might be a good opportunity to allow other people to allow for representation in their communities so that's how i got interested okay so i think i mean i can give a bit of a rundown of my law stock history it's quite extensive but also quite chaotic as well i started off as a marketing director in 2019 um like although i could have gone on in marketing i reckon i wanted to do something like other than marketing because i mean I, like in high school, I did all that sort of stuff. You know, for people who don't know marketing, you do like cover photos, you do like all this online editing sort of stuff. I already did it in high school, um, but I wanted to try something new. At the same time, we had COVID, like that first wave in 2020. And I did, during that time, I was, uh, my courses were what? Like CCP, so that's what, CRIM 1, and then Criminal Laws, CRIM 2. And I really enjoyed that sort of, those two courses for some reason. Maybe it's because I was bored and locked down or something, but those two courses were probably the first ones that I've done at uni that really spoke out to me. And for those who don't know that you do them in second year, so if you're first year, then that's something to look out for in second year. But um, yeah, like after that, I was like, wow, like this whole crim stuff looks really cool. And of course there's a portfolio that exists for, stuff, for careers in criminal law and that's public interest careers, how good's that? But um, yeah, in PIC, oh, when did I start? I think I started last year. I started off as a publications director because I mean, I did marketing, that's editing publications. You publish a careers guide, which people, for you graduates out there, you should really read that. It's really useful. But um, yeah, I mean, I was too scared to probably go out of my comfort zone and try to become like a PIC careers director or anything. I just stuck to my, what I was good at and that was like the editing sort of stuff. But now nobody from my portfolio ran for VP. I thought I could be a good VP. I could really, you know, do some things for PIC that maybe we couldn't do with COVID and other things. So yeah, here I am, PICVP. That's great. Um, well, this next question is mainly for you, Jeremy, but generally people think of careers in law as being involved in the corporate sphere or the private sector. Um, why do you think that this is the case? Well, look, I think firstly, like, I don't think we should say, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Like, I don't think we should say like, oh, you shouldn't go for corporate careers, you should go for PIC. I'm not, I'm not gonna say that. Like. Go for what you want to do. But I think just from my personal experiences, I think corporate, there's so much exposure to corporate law, if that makes any sense. Like, I mean, do you know how in ILJ, when everyone's like, like there's icebreakers, like, why do you want to do law? Like, yeah. And everyone's like, oh, cause I watch suits. Like, firstly, that's a, I think that's a really like, really basic answer that everyone says. So I mean, zero points for originality, but I think just that's a very good example of what I'm trying to say. Like. You have TV shows like Suits that, I mean, I've never watched it, but I've seen snippets of it. And that's all like that sort of corporate sphere 
All right. So you mentioned um, sort of the exposure about public interest careers before. And I know a lot of my peers, they got into law for the financial incentive and they don't necessarily envision themselves working for the government or for NGOs. And I think maybe a big part of that is suits or kind of what they're exposed to earlier. But do you think that this is one of the main driving factors as to why there isn't more demand for public interest careers, um, the monetary aspect of it? I mean, look, you could make that argument definitely, but I think in general, I don't think we should be comparing, you know, wage wages across different careers because a career isn't just money. I mean, I, I think, you know, like before you start uni, even before you have like your first part-time job, a lot of people just think a job's just money. I, and for some people, it could just be that. And I completely respect that opinion. But there are also benefits to a job that aren't just monetary, right? You know, for, I mean, this could sound like I don't know how to get, get this across, but there's sort of like an innate goodness you could sort of get out of if you do like what you perceive to be the right thing in your job. Now, a lot of people who work in private, they obviously get paid a lot. They also have their non-monetary benefits. And I respect that. But in PIC, for me specifically, I think that a lot of people don't understand that there's a huge non-monetary aspect that isn't like, you know, advertised on job listings or even when you think of something like what you said before, the government or suits, you know, the whole non non-monetary side of the career isn't like put out there. And a lot of people don't understand that. So I think, for example, even something as simple as work-life balance, and I'm not saying private law careers, you're not gonna get a work-life balance because, you know, like big six firms are doing that as well. but. I'm saying, you know, a lot of these benefits aren't promoted equally across private law, corporate careers and public interest careers. And I think definitely if we are going to talk about, you know, for example, differences between money and people who want to like make more money in, P in PLC rather than PIC, I think that's fair. But also, you know, like it should be an even playing field in terms of what gets put out there. It's like, I mean, I don't think a PIC version of Suits would ever come out. <laughs> But if something like that did come out, you know, you'd want to see, for example, something like the work-life balance of PI, that PIC gets. You know, if you want to become like someone in the criminal criminal law field, you know, I know the satisfaction you get out of keeping somebody out of jail who didn't actually do the crime, or if you want to become a prosecutor, the satisfaction of putting somebody who's dangerous behind bars, you know, something like that. And um, going off that, would you say there's any other misconceptions you want to clear up about? public interest careers? I think, well, maybe not specific misconceptions, but I think this whole general, like, how'd you say, like the vibe around PIC, I think people see it as, a lot of people that I know see it as like a backup to private law. Like if I don't get into private law, okay, I'll do a, like a PIC job, like a government job maybe for a couple of years and then go into PLC. Again, this probably like what you talked about before with whole, the whole suits thing, the whole exposure thing, it could be that, but also the fact is I think People, people have this misconception about what it takes to get a job into PIC, in PIC. So I mean, like the clerkship process and the process is obviously very rigorous. I mean, I'm not gonna outline everything, but there's like what, at least two interviews. You're gonna have to do a lot of cover letters, a lot of applications, a lot of firms. You know, the whole process, competing against like how many thousands of people around Australia, right? Like the whole thing, it's it sounds so like hard to get into that people think, well, you have to be some sort of like genius, right? Like you gotta have like a high WAM, or you gotta have like what we're all doing. You have to have like extracurriculars doing law stock and stuff to get in, right? So people think that in order to get into private law careers and the people who do get into that field are very like, they're like academically gifted. They do like a lot of volunteering on the side, a lot of all that sort of stuff. And the thing is because PIC doesn't have that sort of 
clerkship process they and the graduate roles don't have that you know two interview six million cover letters like steps people think oh 60 wham 50 wham 40 wham whatever i'll get in like it's a cop out right like and that's like the whole vibe i get with pic and that obviously isn't the case like for example the dpp is one of the graduate roles are one of the hardest to get into in pic and the thing is you're not guaranteed to be a solicitor once you finish that graduate program so yeah so like you do like two years of like training and then you have to apply again if you want to become like an actual solicitor so like yeah so if you i mean you could do the training and you could not get in as a solicitor it's just that i guess because like they're not clerkships and it's not like these super rigorous hard steps that everyone knows about people just think oh pic cop out when that isn't the case all right we'll move on um there's a question for both of you but this is a bit further down the line but regarding both public interest and um, social justice-based law. Uh, what are some of the organizations or entities you would typically work for and what work would you do for them? I think you mentioned governments earlier, but is there anything else? Oh uh, yeah, I mean, PIC is pretty huge in general, but aside from governments, you know, I talked about criminal laws as well. And that that's like both sides of the bar. So the DPP and the, um, if you want to represent private clients, the defendants and whatnot. So there's that field. You can also go into, for example, in-house councils, for a lot of charities, a lot of like like Cancer Council Australia, right? Like that's not a law firm, obviously, but you can do it in-house for them as a lawyer. And there's also, I mean, it sort of crosses over with irony. So I don't want to like talk about it too much, but like things like community legal centers and a lot of like community-based organizations and nonprofits, but I'll leave that to her. That's not really my thing. Yeah, so a lot of the social justice-based law careers are public interest careers and they're based, they're based around, you know, um, diversity and incorporating more representation I get um, it's more like disability law and environmental law and workers rights law and making sure that there's you know discrimination law is also also something that goes into social justice and so making sure that people can fight for rights and stuff and but also you know community legal centers and that kind of thing also fall under social justice because we're looking after those who are disadvantaged in the community uh, you mentioned earlier about disability and kind of law that impacts marginalized communities. And it is very possible that a lot of students only get involved with this social justice initiatives at uni because it looks good on their LinkedIn or their CVs. And that means that when they go on to become full-time lawyers, they don't necessarily feel the need to continually engage with social justice anymore. So is there anything we can do to ensure students leave uni with a kind of lifelong commitment to helping the marginalized and with a deeper understanding of social justice issues? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you can't convince someone who doesn't want to be part of social yeah. justice law to be part of social, like within PIC or social justice law. I think someone, people are inherently and innately going to be inclined towards, you know, corporate law or social justice law. And I don't think it's necessarily fair to make sure that they continue to be interested in something that they're not interested in. But I definitely think that we need more exposure at university, perhaps to maybe more social justice based initiatives. You know, a lot of those are electives. And I think if we put them on earlier, you know, within the course, people are more interested in perhaps engaging in social justice based careers. And I think also maybe more exposure in the media to what kind of injustices are, injustices are faced, you know, in our country so that people who are maybe on the verge of maybe deciding between a corporate career or a social justice-based career can see that what an impact that social justice-based careers can have and then they're interested in that and maybe can then pursue it and hold it on for lifelong. But I don't think 
it's necessarily I don't think it's fair to force somebody into being part of a social justice based career if they're you know if they already decided that they want to you know because suits is persuaded them that they're going to make money there <laughs> yeah. if, they're, if they're happy to do that then I'm not going to try and force them to be part no, of social justice based careers yeah um, well you mentioned electives earlier and I know mm-hmm. a lot of other universities like Monash for example mm-hmm. are kind of stepping up to the plate in terms of offering specific human rights based law degrees yeah um, and is there anything else that we can do here at UNSW that students can kind of get involved with as a part of their degree I mean I think one of the biggest encourages to be part of a social justice-based career is the Kingsford Legal Centre, which is, if, for people who don't know, is a community legal centre that's based um, at UNSW for people who live, study and work in Randwick in the Botany Bay area. Um, and I think it's offered as an elective and I think just not even having to be engaged with it, but just knowing about it is a massive encourager for um, social justice-based careers and human rights electives. Um, but I, I think maybe kind of going back to what we were talking about with the clerkships and um, the process in being involved in public law, or private law, sorry. People don't really know how to get involved in public law and human rights electives and in, in human rights, sorry, um, jobs. So when they decide to like maybe get involved later on, they're very much inclined towards private careers and corporate careers because they know how to go about that kind of pathway. Say I wanted to get involved with those initiatives, for example, the Kingsford Legal Center. Um, how would I go about doing that? So as I mentioned earlier, it's offered as an elective at UNSW. So it would be how you enroll into other electives and other law courses through my UNSW. Um, it's something that you have to look out for because it is quite competitive. And you know, touching on what we said earlier, you do need a high WAM. So public interest careers and social justice based careers are just as important as PLC. Um, but yeah, so you get involved through how you would get involved with most electives, but it is quite competitive. And there are other electives as well that are also quite you know, human rights based, but are also really um, competitive, like the one at the UN um, in New York. I know a lot of people pretend to be interested in human rights based careers just to get part of that. But I think that's also a really rewarding experience as well that kind of showcases the impacts of being involved in social justice based. And are there any initiatives specific to your portfolio that students can get engaged with regarding social justice? So there are really wonderful initiatives that students can get involved in. As I mentioned earlier, the social, ju- the social justice portfolio acts in a twofold manner. So I'll start with some external opportunities. The first one being Court of Conscience, and that's a UNSW, the UNSW Law Society's publication. And it's a, an award-winning peer-reviewed publication in which academics write and then students can get involved by editing it. And so we've just had our recu- recruitment for um, editor- editors and editorial ap- applications, but that's a really wonderful way to expose yourself to some really interesting and really well-read legal writing. Well-read? Well-written, sorry, legal writing. Um, And then you have policy submissions as well. And so that allows you to make some real change by writing about things that are being spoken about in government. And then that gets sent to, you know, policymakers and policy changes. And it's a really, really important initiative. And I think for anyone who wants to make the smallest amount of change to government and the way that our society runs, please get involved because it's just going to make the biggest difference. Um, in fact, I think the policy submissions team last year got called by government to come, go and speak. So it was, yeah, so it makes a really big difference being involved in policy submissions. And it's only like 250 words, but you make a really big difference when you do write those 250 words. Um, and then internally, we have lots of different 
opportunities. So for people who want to actually tangibly get involved, there are things like um, Shades of Injustice and Run the World, which are both publications for the ethno-cultural officer and the women's officer, respectively. And they allow people to read and write and edit legal um, writings, I guess. Um, and then we also have things like Queer Beers, and that's more fun kind of intervarsity networking type things. And then we also have panels that allow people to understand what it's like to not only be a person who is marginalized in the law, but also what kind of careers you can have to help those who are marginalized. And so that we have a disability in law panel, we have an environmental law panel, which is actually run with PIC. And then we also have a diversity in law panel and a queer issues in the law panel and a women's law, pan a women's law conference, yeah. Thank you, Tharani. That was very insightful. And I definitely want to get involved with a lot of those kind of initiatives. But going down the line in terms of careers, um, what is being done here at UNSW for students to consider pursuing a career in public interest or social justice based law? I think with PIC, I'll start off with PIC. I think firstly, a lot of people would, um, I think it'd be good for people to understand the different graduate pathways in PIC and social justice. Like I said before, you know, there's so many different like firms, organizations, avenues you can go down. One of the best ways of doing that while you're still a student at UNSW, so let's not leave until you're graduated and you don't know what to do, right? Let's just keep it here at uni, would be some of the panels that we run at PIC. We cover almost every area of PIC that I can remotely think of. You know, for example, in term one, so just coming up now, We've got a we've got a graduate workshop for government applications. So like we talked about how like it's not like that same clerkship process thing, but it's a whole different ball game. You've got like psychometric assessments, you've got you've got different like types of questions in the application. So we have a workshop for students who wanna go down that path and wanna learn more about that graduate uh, recruiting process. Week four, look out for that. We also have in week six, I believe, a careers at the bar event. So that's, if you want to become a barrister or maybe you want to learn more, like maybe you, you don't even want to be a barrister, you just want to learn more about this area, then you can rock up to that event. We have, you know, different levels of barrister. You know, we have a reader going all the way up to a silk, explaining to us, you know, what the bar is, how you can get involved and whatnot. Week seven, we have a careers and government panel. That's a, a selection, I guess, of different government organizations you can work for. Right now we have, uh, the sneak peek, sneak peek. So I can, I'll only, that's right, exclusive, exclusive. I think for the first time in three years, we have ASIC. So the Securities and Investment Commission. Wow, that's so, very if you impressive. Do, if you do e-commerce or like economics or any of those degrees, then, you know, rock up to that event. That's pretty intriguing. We have, we also have, for example, the DPP involved in that panel as well. But just in general, you know, we have different uh, events, PIC throughout the year that you can look out for if you want to get involved more into like these like different areas of law, different areas of PIC. Regarding those events, like you mentioned the handbook and all the panels, where would someone find that or get informed about when those are happening? Yeah, look, I mean, obviously the Law Sox socials are probably the best way to do it. Facebook primarily, that's where we advertise a lot of our panels, a lot of our events, Instagram as well. We'll be putting out little stories every single term about the events that we have upcoming. But, I but, just saw a court of conscience one on the story and it made me very excited. So Exactly, yeah. I, I mean Instagram, I think the little stories, I think people sort of like we sort of forget just how useful they are. Yeah. Like in the morning you wake up and you just refresh and you click it. It's like 
I, I, it's like three seconds, but it tells you so much. That is like, true, yeah. So yeah, Instagram stories, that's a good way. Facebook, of course. But yeah, I mean- the brief as well. Um, the brief that we get on a Monday, that will generally have all the events that different portfolios are running. That's really useful as well. Yeah, I think, I mean, just in general, just stay online, social media. But I mean, for people who maybe aren't that accustomed to social media, the Lawsock website is also a good thing. I think a lot of people might not know about it, especially first years coming in. So UNSW Lawsock, we have our own official website. There is an events calendar on there. And also sneaky exclusive plug oh, again. Another one. Again. Oh my God. Two in a row here. I'm on, <laughs> I'm on a hat trick, but um, yeah, keep an eye out on that website because later in the year, we might, you know, we might, we might release a volunteers board that PIC runs. It sort of outlines a lot of the opportunities. We'll be, I'll be working with Arnie on that because we'll be outlining a lot of social justice opportunities as well. Yeah, but if you want to keep an eye out on the website, socials, please do that. That's where we advertise a lot of our stuff. Thank you very much, Jeremy and Tharani, for your time. Um, it was a pleasure meeting both of you. Um, you both have given fantastic insights into both social justice and public interest-based law. Thank you for listening to Insights by UNSW Law Society. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss out on any future episodes.